Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, it's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Thanks so much for joining us and letting us be part of your day, and we hope it'll be a good one for you. Wow, there is a lot going on. We're going to talk markets. Market's been red hot. We're going to talk with Naomi Bloom with Total Farm Marketing, get her outlook and uh, what she's seeing that we should focus on with the markets right now. Some interesting comments by new EPA Administrator Michael Regan saying that the Biden administration does not want to go back to the Obama era for the waters of the U.S. rule, but that doesn't mean they're totally on board with what uh, the Trump administration came up with waters of the U.S. So we're going to talk about that with Don Parrish with the American Farm Bureau Federation. Another new soy-based product is out, a dust suppressant. We're going to talk with Dan Farney, chair of the United Soybean Board, about that a little bit later on. But let's start things off with some uh, conservation news, if you will, as uh, Ag Secretary Tom Vilsack is denying that President Biden's goal of conserving 30% of the nation's land by 2030 is a land grab. He says instead it's intended to protect private working lands through voluntary programs. Let's talk about that and more with Coleman Garrison, who is the Director of Government Affairs for the National Association of Conservation Districts. Coleman, thanks for joining us. What do you make of this, uh, what they're calling a 30-30 plan? Well, I think certainly, uh, first of all, thanks for having me, but if you want to get 30% of the total land area in the country, you're going to have to focus on private lands in some fashion. There just are not enough public lands out there. Uh, if you wanted to add to the public land portfolio of the federal government, it's just it's, it's unreasonable to expect that. So I think hopefully what uh, Secretary Vilsack yesterday will give folks a little bit of um, ease on what it may look like, but there's still a lot of questions on what this 30 by 30 initiative is going to look like. We do have, tens of millions of acres in various farm bill conservation programs that are actively being conserved between EQIP and the CSP program and the Conservation Reserve program. So there are certainly a good story to tell from agricultural landowners and private landowners on the conservation being done on across the landscape. So we'll see. There, I mean, there's a lot of pushback to the government acquiring more land, so we'll see where that goes. Meanwhile, uh, we've also learned that the uh, USDA will try to add 4 million acres to the Conservation Reserve Program. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? you like that idea? Yeah, the NACD is very excited to see some of the recent changes that uh, Secretary Vilsack and USDA are making to the Conservation Reserve Program. They're not so much adding 4 million acres. They currently have a cap that allows for an additional 4 million acres to be enrolled. Uh, but the previous administration lowered some of the incentive payments that were statutorily available to the Farm Service Agency. And we've seen about 4 million acres of a gap between the currently land enrolled and land that could be enrolled up to the cap that was included in the 2018 Farm Bill. Uh, so we are excited to see, and we had asked the, the new administration and Secretary Vilsack to increase these incentive payments up to the statutory limit. Uh, which we hope will encourage more landowners to enroll their land in the Conservation Reserve Program. We also have millions more acres that are expected to come out of current contracts over the next couple of years, so it's incredibly important that we don't continue to get further behind than what the cap allows. 
So USDA is going to increase payment rates and other financial incentives to try to attract this acreage into CRP. But really, they're competing now with a uh, with a robust uh, commodity market with higher grain prices. Usually, there's less interest by farmers to put land in CRP when uh, commodity prices are high. There's more interest in CRP when commodity prices are lower. So you think uh, this effort will attract those acres that they're seeking? I think it'll definitely help and encourage additional landowners to enroll in the program. You're absolutely correct that a farmer has to look at their bottom line, and if commodity prices are increasing or stay high, then that's the decision they will have to make. Uh, the nice thing is these are 10- or 15-year contracts, and as we know, the, with crop prices, in four or five years, they may be down again. Uh, so this hopefully will give producers and landowners some financial stability of knowing what these rental rates will be moving forward, and these incentive payments will hopefully get folks in the door to start with. Can they get... 4 million acres more into the CRP by uh, and and make that truly land that's highly erodible and, 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 and needs to be in that program for conservation purposes rather than taking land, uh, you know, out of production that otherwise uh, could be productive land without conservation issues. Uh, do you think, how do those numbers uh, match up? Yeah, it's a, it's a delicate balance that the Farm Service Agency has to has to walk when deciding which land should be eligible and get into the program. Uh, the hope, if more people are applying, you'll be able to really pick out the acres that are uh, environmentally sensitive uh, and leave those really productive acres in, in, in production. Um, having more people applying to the program, you're just going to get better offers. Uh, so that is certainly the hope, and some of these incentive payments will do that. Uh, but CRP really is aimed at those you know, environmentally sensitive, highly erodible lands that uh, when you are farming, even using maybe strong conservation practices, still uh, leave natural resource concerns. So the more people applying, the more opportunity you have to pick those, those best acres that are, are, are best fitted for the CRP program. Uh, additionally, you know, this change added the uh, state acres for wildlife enhancement known as the SAFE program, uh, which is a continuous uh, program. Moving that over to continuous acres versus the general CRP sign-up will give producers more of an option and greater incentives to enroll in that program as well. Uh, so just more opportunities, more incentives, we hope will get more acres and more of the appropriate acres into this program. Yeah, that, I think that's the key. Can you get those appropriate acres into those programs? And certainly we know uh, uh, there's not a lack of um, projects needed to be done out on the land from a conservation standpoint, but there's always been the challenge of having the resources to do them. Do you think we're headed in that direction of getting those needed resources in? We sure hope so. Uh, CRP is one tool in the toolbox of the various conservation programs uh, that USDA, between FSA, and the National Resources Conservation Service operate. Uh, the opportunity to increase those programs, we hope, will be here when we talk about the larger infrastructure package that the president has introduced or as we look forward to the next farm bill. Uh, but even outside of those, we know that uh, not every producer needs or wants financial assistance to implement a conservation practice. Sometimes they just need the conservation planning, uh, the plan out there, having a technical expert walk the field with them to show them how to address this gully that has appeared on the side of their field or how to address some other resource concerns. So we are really encouraging the, 
the president, the USDA, as well as Congress to provide additional funding for NRCS through their conservation technical assistance program to make sure that the local capacity is there. So if a farmer walks into a USDA service center, there is going to be someone there to serve them. Uh, NRCS staffing has been down over the last several years. It is getting better, but we really think more attention needs to be paid to it. All right. It's going to be interesting. We'll see how all this plays out. Coleman, thank you very much. Appreciate your perspective. Thank you. Thank you. Coleman Garrison, Director of Government Affairs for the National Association of Conservation Districts. Up next, a new soy-based product to tell you about. Stay with us. You're listening to AOA. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. A cold front can slow the world to a crawl, but with Cenex Premium Diesel, your fleet can power through. Cenex Roadmaster XL Seasonally Enhanced comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn, optimizing cold weather performance over typical number two diesel. So rather than complaining about the cold, own it with Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. When it comes to the crops you plant, we know that you want to maximize the yield of each seed. In order to do that, you need every plant to emerge on the same day. The problem is, you don't know if this is actually happening. We understand what it's like to be in the cab at harvest, wondering why a field is yielding lower than expected, which is why we're offering you our free emergence flagging kit. Here's how it works. Go to precisionplanting.com forward slash free and request your free emergence flagging kit. We'll send you a kit that includes multiple colored flags, a seed digger, and instructions. The first day your plants start coming up, follow the kit instructions to flag the new emergers each day. You'll gain a much clearer picture of how consistently your plants are emerging. Get your free emergence flagging kit today at precisionplanning.com forward slash free. Don't wait. Kits are limited. That's precisionplanning.com forward slash free for your free emergence flagging kit. As a farmer, I want a cooperative that's there for me. Not the other way around. A local co-op that works for me and works with CHS. To connect me with local experts I know and trust. And put a global network of markets and supply at my fingertips. A co-op that's here to help us. Own every day. When you're an owner of a local cooperative connected to CHS, you get local expertise, a proven efficient supply chain, and global market access. Learn more at cooperativeownership.com. Through the years, you've really kept up with the times. You're on social media. Like, like, dislike, block. Maintained your health. 10,000 steps. I'm a beast. You even programmed your own smart home. In 10 minutes, remind me that I'm a genius. In 10 minutes, I'll remind you that you're a genius. If you can do all that, you can definitely save for retirement. Just go to aceyourretirement.org, a free online tool sponsored by AARP that can help you get on track with your retirement savings no matter your age. At aceyourretirement.org, you'll meet Avo, the friendly digital retirement coach. And in just three minutes, get personalized recommendations recommendations to help boost your retirement savings. They're easy to understand and work with your lifestyle. It's quick, easy, and free. Plus, it's brought to you by AARP. 
so you know they got your back. You are a genius. Take charge of your retirement. Go to aceyourretirement.org now. That's aceyourretirement.org. A message from AARP and the Ad Council. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. There's a new soy-based dust suppressant now available for roads, construction sites, farms, and even more uses. And uh, here to talk about that is the chair of the United Soybean Board, Illinois farmer Dan Farney. Dan, welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Thanks for joining us. Tell us about this new new product, this new soy-based product. Uh, how does it work? And uh, tell us it, how it all came about. Yeah, well, thanks for having me, and I'm glad to be here. Um, so this was developed with a in conjunction with the United Soybean Board and the North Dakota Soybean Council, which is their um, checkoff program. And uh, so they, they looked at a way to blend um, soybean oil with glycerin and uh, spray it on roads to keep the dust from flying up and hanging in the air. So, uh, so far it looks like it's going to do an awesome job, and we're excited about it. And it is now available? Is it on the market now? Yes. So supposedly it, um, they've got it on the market here in April. It's just starting to be, um, you know, sold and stuff like that. Um, so it's available to for farmers to use, for, you know, counties, townships, stuff like that. So it, it looks like it's going to be really neat. Yeah, I, I, and I was looking at what's the demand for this. I did not realize these numbers till I was reading this. According to the Federal Highway Administration, 35% of the nation's roads, yeah. which, is, which is more than 1.3 million miles, are unpaved. So obviously dust is an issue. I didn't realize it was that much. Well, it it is a lot, and especially when you get, you know, out in in farm country, especially um, the roads are a lot of gravel. They, you know, you get traffic down it. The dust just flies up and hangs in the air. And um, this is a environmentally friendly way to uh, try and keep that from happening and keeping the dust on the road because whenever you see that dust it's actually gravel leaving the road that has to eventually be replaced yeah when you think about uh, uh, that dust control better economic value for on that on those roads as far as their preservation also means safer roadways hopefully fewer accidents because uh, uh, you don't have the dust issue impairing uh, visibility yeah. so a lot of benefits here so i would think then when you when you look at road construction you look at uh, on farm use that there are a lot of uh, there should be some a lot of good demand for this product uh we're very hopeful um because like you say because of the amount of roads there is uh, and then it can be used other places like um i know our local elevator in the fall sprays their lot down to keep mm-hmm. the dust down from the just the truck traffic um there's things like that you know um maybe farm shows where wherever there's dusty conditions this is an environmentally friendly renewable green product that can be sprayed on and 
destroyed with normal equipment, basically. You don't have to worry about corrosion and and hurting the environment, stuff like that. So we're, it, uh, it has a bright future, I believe. We're talking with Dan Farney, chair of the United Soybean Board. And again, Dan, this is, uh, it just shows um, what can be done with the checkoff funds invested in these types of projects. I know you get a lot of uh, proposals for different projects. You have to weigh through them and see which ones uh, would have the best return on investment for soybean farmers. Uh, But when you find those projects, uh, it's a process you go through, but uh, you get a lot of these new products coming on the market. More and more, we find more uses for soybeans. And that just totally helps drive demand. Uh, That's one of the things I like to uh, quote preach about is is driving demand and and finding new uses for soybean oil and soybean products so it uh, I mean it's just amazing what all you can do with it anywhere from you know Goodyear tires and biodiesel and it's, there's a never-ending list of things we can use soybean oil for and there's just another one that's added to that I, I've mentioned this before but I remember uh when biodiesel was created, it was because their soy oil was such a glut on the market, and uh, uh, the industry came together and and worked on and developed mm-hmm. uh, biodiesel. And now look where we're at as all these new opportunities for renewable diesel and the demand for soy oil. I mean, it has just changed that uh, situation completely from where it was several years ago. It sure has, and and soybean oil is is in demand now. And then the other neat thing about this dust suppressant, too, it uses kind of a byproduct from the biodiesel. That's where a lot of the glycerin comes from. So it's a win-win situation. We're using soybean oil and a byproduct from a different use of soybean oil um, to spray on our roads. So it, it just amazes me what all, you know, industry can come up with. And you get proposals to... United Soybean Board, don't you, all the time from uh, different projects, and then you have to make the determination which which is best to invest in. Uh, all the time, and we're actually right in the middle of doing that right now. Um, we've asked for proposals from different companies and stuff, and then in May, the farmers will kind of do a sort of that, and then in June, we will come together and make our final uh, selections. We call it the value creation um, framework process and uh, that's groups of farmers will look through a a group of um, projects and decide which ones have the best investment potential and uh, that's what's really neat is there's 78 farmers on this uh, on the United Soybean Board and they do a lot of work and it's all volunteer and and it works to help drive soybean demand. It is a lot of work. I've always said I don't think any group of farmers meets more than uh, those on the United Soybean Board. I mean, you're constantly in meetings and looking at these different projects and proposals, and uh, you have to make that determination on ROI, right? What's going to be the best return on investment for soybean growers' investment, uh, soybean checkoff dollars? And sometimes uh, you invest in something, it takes a while before you see that return. Uh, so that's something that you keep in mind. These things don't always happen overnight. They don't happen overnight, but but that's the beauty of the checkoff is that we have these funds. As you know, it's a, a half percent of what we sell, 
and we're able to use that as kind of innovative looking forward forward looking projects that uh, it may take a while for it to come to fruition but some of them have just really increased demand high lake uh, soybeans would be an example of that but it's taken us a while but uh, it's really taken off now yeah and like i said with the biodiesel i mean it met a need at the time but now look at the, it's even a greater opportunity maybe than anyone could have expected or imagined at that time mm-hmm. with this, these new opportunities out there for biodiesel. Yes, it, it is. We try to be a forward-looking thing, um, organization, and, and that's really what's unique about um, the Soybean Board. It, uh, it gives you the opportunity to rub shoulders with different people and bounce ideas off and and we're really about looking to the future and and helping educate farmers and doing research stuff like that so it's uh, i've enjoyed it so a new soy-based dust suppressant is now available uh thanks to uh investments made by the uh, soybean checkoff dan you farm uh in Illinois, Morton, Illinois for those not uh, familiar with that part of the state it's uh, near Peoria um have you got any uh, planning done? Uh, we're just kind of ready to start. It's been really cold, and, um, you know, my no-till, it takes a couple extra days to dry out, and we had snow here just the other day, so mm-hmm. um, it's looking up now for the next week or so. I'm I'm getting ready to go. Uh, I'm sure you're anxious to get going, as many are. All right, Dan, good to talk with you. Thanks a lot, and we look forward to hearing more about uh, new products uh, developed using soybeans. We appreciate it. Thank you. Okay, you're welcome. Dan Farney, chair of the United Soybean Board. Dan is an Illinois farmer, and again, another announcement, yet another new soy-based product, a dust suppressant. All right, coming up a little bit later on, we're going to talk about uh, waters of the U.S. and some comments made by the new EPA administrator, Michael Regan, saying that they don't want to go back to the Obama-era rule uh, for waters of the U.S., but they're, they're not sold on everything that uh, was put into the new rule under the Trump administration. We'll get some reaction to that from Don Parrish with the American Farm Bureau Federation. But up next, these markets, wow, they've been wild. How high can they go? What are some of the factors to keep an eye on that will influence those market prices? Naomi Bloom, Senior Market Advisor for Total Farm Marketing, will join us next. Stay with us. You're listening to AOA. Cenex Premium Diesel comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn to optimize performance in all engines. Every Tuesday, we're sitting around the table, sponsored by CHS, where we'll be talking with folks from throughout the cooperative system. Join us as we discover what makes cooperatives unique when there are more options to do business with than ever before. We'll learn how farmers and ranchers like you benefit from a system where decisions are made by the members that own it. Tune in every Tuesday for Around the Table or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more. How many acres are you keeping an eye on? Another pair of eyes could be very helpful in protecting your ROI, especially ones that are highly trained. And that's what you'll get with an FS Crop Specialist. 
They can spot issues you might not even know you have using the latest technology, including thermal, drone, and NDVI imaging. Then they can get an early treatment plan started. Contact your local FS Crop Specialist to learn more about our crop scouting services. It's one more way FS is bringing you what's next. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture for the American Egg Network. I'm Kirsten Rall. Thursday started with crop markets having a tough time finding people willing to sell. Then prices responded and surged to levels that farmers were finally willing to make sales. Elevators across the country reported buying more new crop corn than they have in a long time. Farmer selling was not enough to pressure prices. However, corn and beans spent most of their day Thursday limit up. Today on the Board of Trade, we are seeing mixed futures with lower row crops. May corn trading four and three quarters lower at 645 and three quarters. The July contract down four and a half cent at 627. For soybeans, the July contract down eight and a fraction at 1506 and a fraction. The November contract down eight cents at 1330 and a fraction. For the wheat's July Chicago wheat down a half a cent at 709 and a half cent. Kansas City wheat July up three quarters at 675 and a half cent. Minneapolis spring wheat July up six and a half cent at 721 one, the May contract up six and three quarters at 7.15 and a fraction. It was not a good day Thursday for the livestock complex as increasing grain prices put substantial pressure on futures. Bright spots have been few this week, but the possibility of lower grain prices Friday may provide some support. Looking at June live cattle on the Board of Trade, up 45 cents at 116.30. The August contract up 35 at 117.07. For feeder cattle, the August contract up $1.55 at 150.02. The September contract $1.85 higher at 152.25. For lean hogs, the June contract $1.75 higher at 105.30. The July contract up $1.70 at 103.95. In the outside markets, the Dow is up. 49 points. The Nasdaq composite up 119. The S&P 500 up 20. The U.S. dollar index trending lower. I'm Kirsten Rall for the American Ag Network. Vision loss is not something that you feel until it happens. Most people lose their vision from diseases like macular degeneration and glaucoma, not at birth. With macular degeneration, you lose your central vision. You have a blind spot right in the center of your face, so I can't actually see your face. So even that little circle in which I could see became a big blur. I was 65 when I first was diagnosed with glaucoma. There were no symptoms. I had no headaches. Three million Americans have glaucoma, and half don't even know it. 11 million people in the United States have macular degeneration. You lose mobility. Independence changes your entire life. So many eye disorders can be treated if caught early. My husband tells me that I have beautiful brown eyes, and I don't want to lose that. Make a plan today to get your eyes checked. Visit brightfocus.org to learn more. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cinex Premium Diesel. Cinex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. 
Well, let's talk about these markets. I mean, we get a day here or there where they kind of back off a little bit, but then they surge again. So many factors. We have China's purchases. We have weather issues here in the U.S. for early planting, continued dry weather for the Safrina corn crop in South America. Well, let's talk about all this with Naomi Bloom, Senior Market Advisor for Total Farm Marketing. All right, Naomi, what's the out of all these things or something else, what's the biggest factor driving these markets? It's a combination of everything that you've described. You know, earlier this week, the market finally had some new fresh news that it could bite on to finally get us out of those trading ranges. It's like the market wanted to make sure that the rest of the world was uh, suffering some production issues before we could take that next leg higher. So earlier this week, when the news emerged that the Brazil crop was officially looking smaller for the second crop corn, uh, that was enough to get prices to move higher, along with the drought continuing to span, expand here in the United States. The funds were just waiting for that extra piece of news, and they got it. And boy, has that market surged this week. So unless they get rain there, and it looks like it's still a dry pattern, so does that mean we're going to see the strength of the markets continue? So I would say this. Um, so now we've priced in the fact that they have some lost production. If they get some rain now, it'll continue to hold the lost production in the sense just where we are now for total production amounts. If it stays dry and gets drier, then that would be enough reason for the market to take the next level up. My, my biggest hunch is that now that we're through this next level of resistance, for the next couple weeks we start to see prices consolidate in a sideways fashion because we just got our big piece of bullish news but now we have the reality that our U.S. crop is going to start to get planted, and so that should keep a lid on prices for the short term. So I would say um, as the May futures contracts start to go into first notice day, I would look to see prices for corn continue to hover around the 650 area. I think that the bean prices are going to most likely stay above the $15 area, but we don't have any reason to get above 1550 in the short term. We would need more bad weather in South America, we would need bad weather to somehow emerge here for our planting season. Otherwise, though, uh, market is well supported just because of our fundamentals being so bullish in the big picture. High prices usually discourage sales, but uh, so far uh, China and others have been buying. Do you see that continuing? Well, I think that they're going to um, tiptoe in every little bit for, for, for now for the short term, especially because... You know, when they were probably betting on South America to have some corn available um, right at that late summer time frame, um, now that that might be a more of an issue, then they're going to come back to the United States. And I would think that China is also thinking of the fact that, you know, we're heading into our growing season with a drought, so that's bullish for the markets, and, and the weather around the world isn't perfect. And so if we see these weather issues emerge in the summertime, prices are going to flare higher so they're trying to buy in a little bit ahead of it uh, just to be safe. So um, it's, it's just it's astonishing to me in a sense that we're seeing these dramatic price increases in late April when normally this is a time frame when prices ease a little lower as we head into planting. So this is a demand-led market, but it's also a fear that the supplies are going to be lower market. And so that's what's spurring the fund buying higher. And then also, you know, remember the funds have the ability to have those expanded purchases now. They can hold more contract limits. So they're starting to flex their muscle and show what they can do as they've been buying corn and beans this week. 
We're talking with Naomi Bloom with Total Farm Marketing. Well, you talked about, um, you mentioned that it's unusual to see this kind of a surge here as we're planting a crop. We saw the, the surge really starting last year when we were harvesting a crop. That didn't seem uh, uh, like it was the time you would expect that either. So this, this whole rally, it seems like, has kind of defied uh, what we consider normal patterns, right? Oh, you're so right. Absolutely. You know, we're on the cusp of this record crop, record carryout back in July of last year, and then just how the sentiment has turned around. We, we always had said we were one major weather issue away from a huge market rally uh, just because the demand had been so strong and then it happened in the United States and then of course last summer China had all that rain so they didn't have a perfect crop either uh, so so two bad weather situations in two major growing regions of the world and that's what helped push prices higher along with the demand just being so strong let's look at the wheat market we hear more and more about a lot of wheat being fed uh, we're waiting to see, you know, any damage to the winter wheat crop with this weather this past week. Uh, what do you see ahead in this wheat market? Uh, wheat continues to be the follower for the grain complex, but because wheat is going to be used for a feed substitute uh, sooner than later, I think wheat is going to be the dark horse and continue to push higher here. I've been bullish about spring wheat since January. That market surging higher, over $7 now for the spring wheat contracts. And, of course, it's so dry in North Dakota. That's really affecting things. The market yesterday got a little excited because, you know, China is actually one of the major world growers of wheat. And everything that they grow, they consume. But yesterday, they bought anywhere between 500,000 tons to a million tons of French wheat. So the fact that China is also importing wheat along with all these other grains tells me that they are just ready to strategically rebuild their reserves to make sure that they have enough, as prices historically have been lower, you know, just in case there's any weather issues there again this summer. Uh, so it's, a, it's definitely a demand-led market, and we have no room for any weather issue anywhere in the world this summer. Sorghum's been another hot market. Do you see that continuing? <laughs> um, yes. So, and here's why. Because... Um, Sorghum, over the past few weeks, uh, the, has been hot and heavy. China did a big purchase. So China bought what they needed, and now China has recently said that they're going to kind of cool off their sorghum needs, uh, which means that they're probably just going to show up and buy it in a couple more weeks. But um, we are seeing sorghum basis levels overall improve. We have been he hearing that some producers in Kansas are going to go back in and plant sorghum. So there's a fight for acres actually still happening this spring, and nothing is set in stone yet. So it's very interesting to see how all these different states and all these different producers in the states are handling their, their growing this spring and they're planting. You know, there's a lot of regular crop rotation happening, but I think any of these um, extra little switches at the end are, it's going to be up for grabs yet. Whoever's got the best prices in the next few weeks, that's going to be the winner for these grain markets. Yeah, let's talk about that. I mean, I, I, I hear a lot of farmers say they're sticking with their rotations. Uh, so are there enough swing acres out there, one way, one commodity or another, to really uh, move things in one direction or another? That is a good question. I don't know is the answer, and that is what the industry is dying to find out. So here we are sitting, twiddling our thumbs, because we don't get any official acreage data now until June 30th. So the question will be, you know, how many more acres did corn end up buying? How many more acres did beans end up buying? Or maybe they don't. 
So it's this huge question mark, and because of that, that is going to keep the market supported for now. So the fireworks are going to just emerge on June 30th when we have that planting report, and that's going to be the quarterly stocks report, heading into the end of a quarter and a holiday weekend, along with going into pollination weather for corn. So um, June, the end of June is going to just be really volatile for the markets. And so make sure that as we head into that, you have you know, your strategies all mapped out for what you're going to be pricing for your new crop, if you need to be protecting any unpriced bushels at that point, or if the weather is just starting and we have an issue like 2012 where we have some kind of a drought like that emerging in this countryside, there's more potential for fireworks for higher prices as well. So we're just getting started, friends. Buckle up. Hmm. It's going to be a wild ride. Another dynamic here is this push with these climate policies, it looks like really opening opportunities up for renewable diesel, more demand for soy oil. Does that become uh, the hot mover now as we, as we look at demand moving forward? It's going to definitely be a hot topic. You know, in the big picture, those are all good things, good policy, good for greener energy. But at the point, and I remember this in 2012, when prices get too high, then all of a sudden you get the huge debate that comes up between food versus fuel. So the other thing that's different between now and 2012 is that people have found their voice on social media, and I can only imagine how this is going to blow up and flare up and become a national issue. Um, so that's going to be another component as well. Do you see that playing out much like the ethanol debate did back then? I think it'll be um, really touchy really, really touchy. Um, you know, in the short term, I, my opinion is that food always wins. You have to make sure your people are fed. Um, and then eventually, you know, high prices will cure high prices. And, and we saw in those years uh, the demand for um, corn for ethanol just decrease a little bit because the price was so high. Um, so ultimately, it's good for agriculture, those green energy policies. It, it truly is. Um, and how it plays out this summer is going to solely de be de dependent on the prices. Um, I'm, I'm curious to see how it plays out, if it's going to be similar to 2012 or if it becomes more dramatic. But there are now and looks to be still in the future some huge opportunities for farmers uh, to take some uh, uh, get some real good marketing opportunities, but uh, some big some big decisions to make. Naomi, thanks for the information as always. Appreciate it. You're welcome. My pleasure. Take care. Naomi Bloom, Senior Market Advisor with Total Farm Marketing. Well, it's been expected by many that um, the Biden administration would not keep the new Waters of the U.S. rule put in place by the Trump administration. That may be the case, but EPA Administrator Michael Regan told Congress this week he does not intend to go back to the Obama administration definition of Waters of the U.S. So what does that mean moving forward? We'll talk about it with Don Parrish with the American Farm Bureau Federation. A WOTUS update next on AOA. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. Do you know how to keep food safe at home? Clean, separate, cook, and chill. The easy lessons of clean, separate, cook, and chill will help you protect your family and be food safe. 
Wash hands and utensils to avoid spreading bacteria when preparing food. Separate. Use different cutting boards for meat, poultry, seafood, and veggies. Cook. You can't tell it's done by how it looks. Always use a food thermometer. Chill. Keep the fridge at 40 degrees or below to keep bacteria from growing. Food safety risks at home are more common than most people think. The USDA is your partner in being food safe. Clean, separate, cook, and chill. For more information, visit BeFoodSafe.gov or call 1-888-MP-HOTLINE. Do you know how to keep food safe at home? Clean, separate, cook, and chill. The easy lessons of clean, separate, cook, and chill will help you protect your family and be food safe. Let's talk about how to chill. First, keep the fridge at 40 degrees or below to keep bacteria from growing. Use an appliance thermometer to be sure things are cool. Then, chill leftovers and takeout foods within two hours and divide food into shallow containers for fast cooling. And always thaw meat, poultry, and seafood in the fridge, not on the counter, and never overstuff the fridge. Food safety risks at home are more common than most people think. The USDA is your partner in being food safe. Clean, separate, cook, and chill. For more information, visit BeFoodSafe.gov or call 1-888-MP-HOTLINE. When it comes to the crops you plant, we know that you want to maximize the yield of each seed. In order to do that, you need every plant to emerge on the same day. The problem is, you don't know if this is actually happening. We understand what it's like to be in the cab at harvest, wondering why a field is yielding lower than expected, which is why we're offering you our free emergence flagging kit. Here's how it works. Go to precisionplanting.com forward slash free and request your free emergence flagging kit. We'll send you a kit that includes multiple colored flags, a seed digger, and instructions. The first day your plants start coming up, follow the kit instructions to flag the new emergers each day. You'll gain a much clearer picture of how consistently your plants are emerging. Get your free emergence flagging kit today at precisionplanning.com forward slash free. Don't wait. Kits are limited. That's precisionplanning.com forward slash free for your free emergence flagging kit. Adams on Agriculture prides itself on bringing top leaders in the egg industry right to your radio speakers. AOA wants to continue that conversation right to your fingertips. Follow AOA on Twitter at AOA underscore talk show and Mike Adams himself at the handle Mike Adams Egg. You will receive real-time highlights of the show and keep up with which convention or industry meeting AOA is attending. That's AOA underscore talk show and Mike Adams Egg. We hope to see you online. I've been farming my whole life. I don't need somebody to come out here and state the obvious. I don't need anybody to explain my farm to me. My local co-op works with CHS, and they know what I need when I need it. A global network of support. Local expertise. And valuable market options. We need a co-op that's here for us. So we can own every day. When you're an owner of a local cooperative connected to CHS, you get local expertise, a proven efficient supply chain, and global market access. Learn more at cooperativeownership.com. One of the higher risk aspects of farming is crop protection application. With label changes, regulations, equipment maintenance, and drift management, it's a lot of risk. 
and a great way to manage it is to rely on your local FS and FS crop applicators. They constantly train to keep up with the latest label changes, regulations, and best practices, so your crop is protected and risks reduced. Contact your local FS to learn more about our custom application programs. It's one more way FS is bringing you what's next. A cold front can slow the world to a crawl, but with Cenex Premium Diesel, your fleet can power through. Cenex Roadmaster XL Seasonally Enhanced comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn, optimizing cold weather performance over typical number two diesel. So rather than complaining about the cold, own it with Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. In a lot of areas, we're waiting to see how EPA Administrator Michael Regan uh, handles a lot of issues like on biofuels and also on issues like waters of the U.S. Administrator Regan this week told Congress he does not intend to go back to the Obama administration's definition of waters of the U.S., saying we don't have any intention of going back to the original Obama waters of the U.S. verbatim. But he noted the agency does not necessarily agree with everything in the Trump administration's version as well. So where does that leave us? What does that tell us moving forward? Here's Don Parrish with the American Farm Bureau Federation. Don, we always look to you for updates on waters of the U.S. What do you make of these comments by Administrator Regan this week? Well, Mike, I think they're welcome. Uh, I think they realize, having looked at the regulation and probably, more importantly, looked at how judges in the courts across the country has looked at that regulation and understood that there's some real problems with it, at least the 2015 regulation. Uh, kind of the good news on our part, even though he doesn't like uh, the Trump administration navigable waters protection rule, that rule right now is the law of the land. It is unlike the 2015 rule. The Trump rule is applied nationwide, and it is the rule that is being implemented right now. And, you know, that's kind of good news for farmers and ranchers. So it sounds like, kind of sifting through this, we're trying to figure out just exactly what he's saying, but it, it would seem like he's talking about maybe tweaking the new rule as opposed to going back to something similar to the old rule. Is that the way you hear it? Uh, if you read the transcripts, he is clearly going to, to provide a process that's going to require a lot of input, and it's going to be input from both the ag industry and industry as a whole, as well as environmentalists. So it, I guess until we see exactly where he wants to tweak it, you know, there's a, you know, there's a lot to be learned when, when he reveals what they're going to think, uh, at least what they're thinking. But yes, it is very encouraging that... Uh, they intend not to go back, and he used a qualifier verbatim uh, to the 2015 reg. So, you know, I think I'll take I'll take wins wherever I can get them. <laughs> it, so we just saw it took four years, all four years of the Trump administration, to change the 2015 rule and get this new rule. Would it take a, a really long time again to make minor changes to waters of the U.S. Uh, as opposed to a complete overhaul, or how do you see? 
a timeline on this? It's going to take some time, particularly if he uses a process where he gets information from people. Uh, he is committed, at least from the agricultural standpoint. He's already had some uh, exchanges at the very highest levels of ag associations in Washington, D.C., and he is committed to them to work you know, on the details of this with agriculture. So, uh, again, I think that's a positive sign, but the devil's always in the details. Yeah, he pledged the agency will chart a path forward that is inclusive and forward leaning well that that can mean a lot of things mean different things to different people but it it uh, his approach seems to be let's gather as much input as we can so uh does that mean agriculture and all the other stakeholders are back in there presenting the your positions all over again uh it does mike and that's going to take some time uh getting back to the the heart of the question you asked just before this it is going to take some time to do this right uh, we know that we can protect water quality in this country. We know that we can provide the clarity that industry and farmers need, but it's not easy. And uh, we think that the Trump administration rule hit a sweet spot. It was protective of water quality and yet provided the clarity people needed. Uh, when they go back in and start tweaking it, uh, there's going to be a lot of work that has to go in to make sure that we understand what those tweaks are. Uh, if, in fact, that's the approach they take. So, you know, there's a lot of work in front of us. What are you hearing across the country from people on how the new rule is working? You know, overall, I'm hearing that it's providing a lot of clarity. I'm also hearing that people are getting answers pretty quickly, whereas before it would take a really long time once you ask or once you needed a determination from the Corps and the EPA it took a long, long time. Uh, today, we're hearing those answers are coming a lot quicker. We're hearing the answers are a lot more understandable. And we're hearing that our members are actually agreeing with most of those uh, calls, which means that it's, it's kind of common sense. It's, it's the kind of, they're getting the kind of answers that they would have expected based upon their knowledge of their land. Which would seem to have some influence, I would think, on future decisions because in that information-gathering process Michael Regan's talking about, he's going to hear those kind of uh, stories, right, and hear those examples of how it's working. Uh, that should influence, I would think, it somewhat about uh, what they decide to do going forward. Uh, absolutely, Mike. The, the good news is kind of all around how this rule is being implemented as well as the court saying that this rule the Trump administration's rule, the Navajo Water Protection Rule, is uh, uh, an acceptable interpretation of the statute. All of those things are going in that favor. Uh, but we know that when they, they suggest tweaks, it is going to be to broaden jurisdiction. It's not going to be to probably provide any more clarity. There may be some clarity, but they're, they're clearly angling for more jurisdictional reach, and that's that could potentially create some significant conflict with farmers and ranchers because we're the people that own the land in this country. Yeah, so while you're not looking for problems and things, uh, as you said, you'll take a win wherever you can get them, you have to be on your guard of what those tweaks might be moving forward. So uh, the saga of waters of the U.S. continues. As always, Don, thanks for the update. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks, Mike. Take care. Don Parrish 
with the American Farm Bureau Federation. That's going to wrap it up for today. Uh, coming up on Monday, we're going to take a look at this uh, Biden administration 30 by 30 proposal, this goal of, of um, conserving 30% of the nation's land by the year 2030. Some calling it a land grab. We'll get reaction to it uh, coming up on Monday. We'll talk more about markets and weather as well. A lot going on. We appreciate you joining us right here on AOA. Stay safe, everyone. Cenex Premium Diesel comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn to optimize performance in all engines.